This week in the Tough Roy podcast, it's all about the last date as we take a look at the final teams left in the quarterfinals of the Rugby World Cup. Enjoy. Hello, welcome back to the Tough Roy podcast. Please tune in. Just got the usual man in the studio, Zachary Hutchinson. Quarterfinal time, Zach, your favourite time of the year in all sports. I, I think quarterfinals and last 16s <laughs> bring the best games. Can we agree? So, no, I think, like, you look at the Champions League, for example, you know, well, to be fair, Liverpool, Barcelona. But aside from that, you know, generally speaking, every, both teams are going for it. There's no nerves. There's no semi-final nerves that kind of come. There's the pressure's off in a way. The pressure's also on in another way. Um, can't beat a good quarterfinal. Just can't beat it. Yeah. Well, we'll go in order of the quarterfinals. Yep. First up, Wheels, Argentina. Mm. We've discussed the Gatlin narrative on the podcast before. Yeah. Big, bigger's been past fit. Everything's falling into place. In terms of that game, a lot of people are saying Argentina. A lot of people are saying Wales. I, I struggle to get on the Argentina hype from what I've seen. Like Japan gave them problems. Um, obviously didn't turn up against England. So I'm putting Wales pretty... Like Wales would be favourites going into that, which is crazy when we think about when the Six Nations with Gatland and stuff, but are you on that train too? You know me, Telf, I've always had a soft spot for Argentina. I've always enjoyed the Feli and the boys, but it's hard to see past Wales. I think I think just Wales will have too much. Wales are also riding the hype train at the moment. You know, they've got really good momentum. They've had a clean sweep of the pools. Their biggest win against Australia, even though it was a pretty poor Australia side. A lot of confidence in that Wales side going forward. Um, you look at more, more, more confidence in that Wales side than there is in the Argentinian camp. Yeah, 100%. I think Argentina have had a disappointing group stage by their standards. I think they were going in thinking that the England game was was there to win. Um, even the way, I know that they got the deal done against Japan, but at times they looked a bit iffy there as well. Um, and just lack, I think Argentina just lack a real rhythm, a real sense of rhythm. Um, but the, but Czech is hard. the type of guy that turns oh, 100%. up. 100%. Like, like you can't you can't rule them out, yeah. um. But also in the same way, it's like you know it's kind of funny. Gatlin and Checker are kind of similar in that way because you can't rule Gats out either. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting to see what will happen. But it's hard to see past Wales. You An know? Irish Irish hat on. Or are you? Do you want Argentina if Ireland get through the semi final? I think yeah, you the want the curse of an Argentina World Cup. <laughs> Wales. No, I think I think it's time to break the curse. You know, you want you want Argentina from an Irish. You want you want. It's the same way that you don't really want the Premier League team in the semi final of a Champions League game. If you're well, Premier... all this cha- stop this Champions League chat here. Well, oh, it's good. It's good. It's good crossover. It's good crossover. Good analogy. No, stick with me because you don't want it because it's that thing of like you don't want a home nation because well, to be fair, it's different in rugby. There's like more respect and it's not like a big deal if you lose sort of thing. Well, kind of is a big deal, but I think two factors. I think a you don't really want a home nation, and b Gatlin's been to two semi-finals and he's come up short twice and very unlucky and probably in both circumstances. So you gotta ask yourself the question of third time lucky for Gats. Um if he, so if we'll he flip if he, flip that on its head, Gats gets the semis. So you don't expect anything true, other than a semi-final. True, true. But then again, Andy Farrell has never been Ireland, actually Ireland in general. You know, one to fifteen, one to twenty-three. I've never got to. Well, I was meaning more for uh, in terms of an Argentina v Wales, both sides. 
Right, okay, okay. I've got to semi-finals, so they both got that mentality. They both knew the feeling, but obviously a lot of the Welsh camp, well, Gats got rid of a lot as well, but, you know, they've been there. Georgie North, the boys, like, they've... Yeah, Georgie North and the boys. <laughs> oh, well, touched two, like, Nofie's on for his third World Cup semi-final. Like, I, I know. Think those type of individuals will drag Wales, yeah, I agree, I think. But I, I could see a really tight, tense... Kick from one, kick from Buffelli. I could see it like that, and I think that plays into both sides as well. But I think if it's more free flowing, it does well. I was impressed with Carreras now. I went wide, tail. He's a good player. You know this 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 Argentinian Argentinian side is um littered with some what you could argue is verging on world class talent. So you they're know, not all just a big pack, is what I'm trying to say. You know, they do. Yeah, no, they've got a lot in the back line with running through Buffelli, Carreras. But at the same time, it's just hard to look past this Wales team. Then obviously Wales, I saw a funny tweet. It was just like, what am I gonna do if Wales actually win the World Cup? Because it's you know, it's 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 possible. But it's hard to see this Wales team going the whole way, but they've had a great draw. They're well rested if we want to maybe touch get into that like they are well rested like Australia was a walkover the hardest game was right at the start you know there's that to play in as that plaque factor to play in as well they're going to be around to go and they'll be they'll be quietly confident in their camp that they can seal the deal and no Tulupe Falatai out of the competition now big loss. Truth, loss I've spoke about him against Portugal bump, bumping his way over for a bonus point like that is the mentality that'll be lost I, I don't think I know Pablo Matera went off too uh, badly against Japan. So it's kind of like they both lost a big man in the back row, like in terms of their inspirational leaders type guys. So that, I think, balances that out. But Toluca yeah. is, is a huge loss. But if there's anywhere Wales are okay, it's in the back row. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I mean, look, Wales is back row. I know we, we touched on it before and we love to touch on it as well. But look at the likes of their back row and a number of those boys could be, we'll put their hands up for a Lions squad right now. So um, I always love bringing that up. But no, I think it's hard. It's hard to go past Wales. It's just hard to go past Wales, tough. Wales by five, we say. I'm going to say Wales by eight or nine. I think they'll be kind of just without that, without outside of that kind of converted try territory. Um, in control. I think, yeah, I think they're going to be in control the whole way. It'll still be tight, you know. It'll probably be a game dominated by bigger Buffelli off the tee, but at the same time, it's just it's hard to see past them. Yeah, no, no, I agree, I agree. And Welsh team's not out yet before well, I would in the pod. So if if it isn't bigger, we apologize. But no, it should be bigger Buffelli kick off. So we'll we'll see that one. Then on to I think that's a perfect like little little tease. Yes, teaser. You know, it's a warm up. You know, we're just trying to. We're just getting ready, getting into it, warming up the voices for the big one. Before the big one. So that's New Zealand against Ireland in the Rugby World Cup quarterfinal. Again. Again. There's not been huge amounts of chat about New Zealand absolutely dismantling Ireland four years ago. Obviously, a large part of the squad played in that. So a lot of the chat has more been about more recently in the cycle Ireland going over to New Zealand, beating them, beating them at home too in the World Cup cycle, beating them three times. That's been more of the narrative, but surely New Zealand must be thinking it's a quarterfinal. We battered this team four years ago in the quarterfinal. We've now got their head coach who knows all the secrets. 
or am I just trying to lure you in here, Zag, and you're not going to bite on it? But what I'm trying to say is men- mentally, it can go one or two ways. A lot of people do think Ireland have New Zealand's number. Mentally, boogie team, they're in their heads. But on the flip side, why should they in a World Cup sense? Yeah, it's good. It's, 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 yeah, it's interesting. I mean, Aaron Smith has come out and said that what was it he said again? I'm going to butcher his quote, but essentially it was along the lines of like Ireland should look out. Yeah, you'll see a different All Blacks. Yeah, Ireland they should look out, and and you know what? He's definitely right. And but then again, at the same time, like this Ireland team doesn't get ahead of themselves. This Ireland team still has more to give. You know, like Scotland performance was we bonds it was so easy in a sense you know like they just went through the gears never really got out of third fourth gear there's a lot more you know fifth and sixth gears to come but i think at the same time aaron smith is definitely right but at the same time that's what ireland are thinking too it's not like it'll be a shock to them and andy farrell and the boys because at the end of the day this there will be a different new zealand team it has to be a different new zealand team the the country the public the the squad themselves will demand a better performance for what they gave last summer because that was below par as you know, New team Zealand. Is, the team's completely different. It's completely different. No, you're right. It, it's, it's completely different. And Whereas Ireland's team is basically the same team. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. an argument that the Ireland team's been set up for this long and this New Zealand team is now up on fire. But there's no doubt Ireland are big favourites due to the due to the recent form. Like yeah. Novak's and, not winning a World Cup group. Never happened. Yeah, like that's it's unheard of. You know, they, they lost to France. I would say they lost to France in the end quite convincingly. I mean, it's hard to read first World Cup game and, and whatever. But, I mean, this Ireland team, just like, you know, it was a massive performance against the South Africa. It was a massive performance against Scotland. The defence, it was actually worrying. You know, I was watching that Scotland game being like, okay, Scotland are now in their 10th phase, their 11th phase, their 15th phase. And it's just like... This is a lot of defence from Ireland. And obviously, like, you know, they suffocated Finn Russell and they didn't really, you know, it wasn't really that much to do other than just get up, tackle, get up, tackle. But at the same time, it is worrying for Ireland kind of going in just from a kind of physicality point of view, just kind of like, are they physically rested, mentally rested, ready to go for a big game? You know, that is a concern. Yeah, a lot of the chat was in terms of fitness. So James Lowe was past fit, Mike Hansen was past fit. Earls and Henshaw didn't make it, James Ryan didn't make it. So the bumps and bruises are starting to tell now. And the narrative we've always discussed is playing the same team, boom, 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 basically throughout. It'll give you momentum, it'll give you confidence, but will it catch up in terms of... But I don't think any of the injuries so far have really been to do with it. You know, Henshaw's always been injury prone. Yeah. Um, in terms of hamstrings and stuff. I think, maybe like... I think a large part of Matt Hansen's was the fact he went off for HIA. Obviously, you're running, your intensity's high, adrenaline's pumping, then you're just standing still, and then you get back on the pitch and you run fast again. So I think that was more situational. But what do you then think? Obviously, Jimmy O'Brien's come onto the bench. Basically, that's Mm. Andy Farrell saying, okay, I've got a few boys that aren't 100%. Jimmy offers me more versatility than a Stuart McCluskey. Because there's no doubt he's favoured Stuart McCluskey at 23 when he knows his wingers are fit, firing, and we'll give him 80. But the fact that he's gone Jimmy O'Brien leans to the fact of get me get me through 55, 60 mark, and Jimmy's there for you. Or am I looking too far into it? Because he did say Jimmy O'Brien had a knock during the group stage, and that's why he's surprised. Yet. I'm surprised actually he hasn't gone with the Earls, to be honest. Well, Earls was rolled down, uh, hamstring. 
So Earls is not fit until next week as well. Ah, okay. I didn't even know that. That's bad, isn't it? Um, <laughs> you can delete that out if you want from the, from the clip. But no, so, yeah, I mean, I think the only one maybe that's kind of like the bumps and bruises is probably James Ryan. You know, he's played a big part in that grip, the, the grip stages, and I know he came off the bench. But at the same time, like, James Ryan hasn't been at the same form what he's used to. And you look at, like, Ian Henderson. Ian Henderson's not just the form that he's in, I would argue, the, but also just the leader that he is. And, but the calm presence that he'll be on Saturday night. If anything, I would have gone with Ian Anderson even if James Ryan was fit. So, obviously, Ryan was fit for, was put on the bench. And a lot of people thought, potentially, uh, it's because of that hand niggle. But Farrell did address and say he's fit. So, it looked like... But a lot of people just say, ah, niggle this, and maybe Hendo's in just because of precaution and stuff. But it was the other hand, the wrist that he done. So it looked like last week Hendo was in on merit and then has backed it up. And, I, and I, just to chat on Ian Henderson, the way he can time runs in terms of getting fit and getting in form, don't get me wrong, Henderson picks up a lot of injuries in between this. But his ability to come back get fit and get firing he was the reason that he's gone on lion, two Lions tours and in every World Cup if you remember in 2015 he pushed out Devin Toner um, in the group stages so he's got a knack of just timing runs when the big times come and yep. I think you're right Zach I think that was coming and and it was potentially a reason why because you've seen Ryan fault kind of his knees at the end of the game and Ryan was going to put it all in. He wasn't going to come off after he was subbed on because he knew like this is this is the competition in the squad Ireland need. And I think you're right, Henderson was pushing for a starting spot and and it doesn't weaken Ireland because of that. But what it does weaken is Joe McCarthy, a, yeah. a, a rookie, a rookie second row. And it'll be yeah. interesting how Farrell, how much he trusts that guy. Because if you got to go two for two, do you bring him on or do you just go with Hendo and burn as long as you can because that will be a bit of a drop off. I'm not saying Joe McCarthy won't go on to big, bigger and better things, have an unbelievable career, but right here, right now, he's not got the caps and the experience under his belt than the other two. But the way he's managed Jack Crowley shows that he will put faith in young players if he sees talent and he will stick with you and he will bring you on because that's why you're on the bench. So it's huge, huge to lose James Ryan more, not because of the starting team, but more that impact. Yeah, yeah, it's true, it's true. And especially what Farrell has adopted, you know, kind of going in, in his reign has kind of been, he's kind of redefined the finisher. You know, an Irish finisher is different to a New Zealand or a South African finisher in terms of cool, calm, collected heads coming off the bench to see out a game. I know that Jack Crowley kind of, and Jimmy O'Brien now kind of bucked the trend, but in, in saying the trend has been, you bring on Conor Murray, you bring on Ian Henderson and they see out a game for you. So it'll be interesting to see with these kind of... Right, because Keith Earls probably would have been there. And then yeah, Keith yeah. Keith you know, Keith Earls Keith comes Keith on, Keith. does a shift for you, guarantees you 7 out of 10. Um, So that'll be interesting to see. But, I mean, tell, I don't know, kind of the game itself, how do you see it going? How, what's your what's your honest thoughts, your kind of journal head on rather than your Irish head on? Oh, that's the only head I've always got on. Um... <laughs> No, it's it's one of them difficult ones to call because I do think New Zealand wanted Ireland. I genuinely believe that. Oh, yeah, 100%. So they're happy. And I think 
if the South Africa game didn't happen now, because South Africa, Ireland have been untouchable, if we're being honest, for a long time, and South Africa were a couple of kicks away from beating them. A couple of missed kicks. So it just, that South Africa game showed you can beat Ireland, which is crazy to say out loud in terms of you're saying, like, South Africa proved they're beatable because they were had the essence of unbeatable. So I don't think New Zealand be too concerned. And when New Zealand beats South Africa, that's the thing, everyone's beaten each other in the rugby championship. They blitz them in 15 minutes. So I think the first 15 minutes or an early 15 minutes, if New Zealand can score early, it'll be it'll be New Zealand. I think if they can get an early blitz, then their kicking game, their attacking kicking game is going to be crucial. And I think Scotland didn't use that enough. They just battered down the tried to batter down the wall and they couldn't get through. So I do think if New Zealand can use their kicking game smartly, you know, Richie Mawanga, Boom Barrett, if they can put across field kicks, get the ball in Will Jordan's hands as much as they can, I think if New Zealand can get that early score, I think you'll know the winner of this game after the first ten minutes. Whereas the South Africa game was like a big extended nil nil yeah, a long time at the start before like first score and stuff. So, See, tell, yeah, I kind of get what you're saying, but also what I'm saying if New Zealand score early, New Zealand will have their tails up. If Ireland do what they did against Scotland and get ahead early, I I, I think we could be in for another potential blitz from Ireland. I do, but you got to remember tough though as well. New Zealand started off so strongly against France. That they're good starters and Ireland are good starters, so then it might cancel it. Cancel that out, and you got into that kind of nil nil, three nil, three three, that type of game. But I think the first ten minutes wins this, and whoever comes out the blocks quicker. And for me, the one player, Rico Ioane, there's just something about him. And it was when Hugh Jones went through. I know it was for late score, blah blah, but Hugh Jones showed you can get through. I know it was second half and all this and that, but. Got an outside break on. Ricky Ioane has has that skill locked down. And I, I do feel, in terms of out-and-out X-factor, tries are there early for New Zealand, but their magic men have to turn up straight away. And if their magic men don't turn up straight away, your Will Jordan, your Rico Ioane, your Bowden Barretts, your Richie Moangas, they don't turn up in the first 10 minutes. Like I think it's all down in the start, Zach. I, I, yeah. think, it could be a I think Ireland... Like Ireland just got to do what they do against Scotland, which essentially kind of suffocate the big game players and really just frustrate. You know, Finn Russell looked very average on Saturday night, and obviously it's Scotland's one thing, so Africa's another, or New Zealand's another. But there is that element too. You know, you have to frustrate Rico Rani or you want to, you have to frustrate Richie Mwanga. You have to frustrate these players and suffocate them because they're flashy. Game players, you know that's what the that's what they're like. You know, if you can really stop the Will Jordans getting kind of a bit of momentum, stop those crossfield kicks, which we're more than capable of doing. So, in some ways, I think this game is won or lost. You're saying the first ten minutes. I'm probably saying it's won or lost in the midfield. It's as simple as that. Um, Aki Ring Rose, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a sight to see. I love that. What's, your, what's your prediction then? Oh, head and heart in it. Well, no, I think Ireland edge it, but I'm scared that it could be their final, which I knew was getting ahead of yourself. But it's that kind of classic, like you can't just be totally optimistic, you know, you've got to have that wee bit of pessimism in as an Irishman. Yeah, I think 
I think the draw really suits them. I don't think I think they need to be nearly at hundred percent to beat New Zealand, but that Wales team right now you don't need to be at hundred percent to beat them. So I think the draw favours them. But then I think then a final we're getting a little bit far ahead of ourselves. Then to go again Ooh. against the Francis of Africa would be some achievement. But I think you're right. I think they could channel enough, get the job done against New Zealand, and then very much go from there and see what the bodies are saying. But few more bangs and bruises, you'll, you'll have to see how strong that squad is tested. But no, I'm going to go Ireland in a tight win as well. And the, the, the quarterfinal curse is broken. But as I keep saying, early on, Magic Man could change the night. So keep tabs on that. On to the big one on Sunday. Well, there's two big ones on Sunday, of course. Actually, the big one on Sundays. France of Africa, if we're all being honest. But no, we've drafted in Harvey, the big England fan, to chat. England, Fiji, Harv, I've just sent you there about the team. Marcus Smith at fullback, Owen Farrell at 10. I'll be honest, this is exactly what you wanted. And are you starting to get excited? Because we want to firstly touch on the Samoa game. There has been frustrations about England, England's attack, despite being in a World Cup quarterfinal. There's a real lack of excitement potentially, but just out of nowhere. Those selection calls... Looks like Borfik, I I don't want to say he had it up his sleeve the whole time, but if he did, fair play, because that is bold. Well, I think you, you, you described it perfectly there. For me, the defense, well, the offense, the attack has been struggling, uh, particularly with the backs. I think, like, physical game were great, but, well, good enough anyway. When we've looked great is when Smith's been on the pitch, and it's so hard, I know what you mean, up the sleeve jobby, is it because it's always last 15 that he's coming on and it's like, well, they're tired, they're fatigued. That's why he's working. But I don't think it is. I think genuinely he is such a good option. And I mean, we don't know yet 100% if Ford's at 12 or not. But if Ford's at 12, it'll be really interesting because for me, I don't... I think Farrell and Smith is the perfect combination. You don't need Ford's Ford. He's never played 12 in his life. Ford's yeah. on the bench. There you go. So... Yeah, Farrell Smith is perfect for me. For me, the difference is obviously Freddie Stewart. For me, Freddie Stewart is an excellent player. He has to play, but where what Smith offers at fifteen is he can just he dips in. He likes that he'll come up at first receiver as well if he needs to. He can dip in kind of anywhere in that back line whenever he's needed, particularly in attack. He'll slot in inside of the winger if needed and play that other ball. It feels like Freddie Stewart is always in the exact same spot in attack every single time so as a defense looking at that back line it's so easy to predict where because almost your 15 is like your wild card and i think when it's so one-dimensional like it is with freddie it's hard sometimes to where it's easier to defend it and you can you can man up on other players you know you don't get as many gaps in the midfield and that sort of thing because the defense aren't questioning where he is and there isn't well i i don't think this is potentially not a long-term solution i think for fiji fast flowing quick game this is horses for courses. That does not suit a big bomb diffuser at 15. That suits a fast-paced running game. So I would not be surprised, say, Smith comes in, plays a blind. Well, it's going to be hard now if he plays a blinder, but if he plays a blinder and then Freddie sure just slots back into 15 to defuse some bombs against South Africa, say, I think France would suit him more, but if, it, if it's then South Africa, then you probably need a bomb diffuser because that's all they're going to do, which then would start to mould into Borfix looking at the opposition. What does he need? But then we were speaking there. You were one that said 
things won't get better for George Ford after Argentina. And you were like, don't jump on the train. Like, just, he's had his moment. Thank you, Farrell's fit now. It it does feel now, especially now, Farrell beating the Johnny Wilkinson's all-time points record. The momentum behind Farrell is starting to come back from fans and stuff, and he's been forgiven for his... Because he was, like, it was proper chopping his head off type stuff on a stick. We hit Farrell and all this and that. But, <laughs> like, I feel the way he just subtly won that record and was a bit like, you look... Wilco's played so many more tests to me, you know, I took a bit longer to do it. Ha 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 ha. I'm the all-time point scorer in England rugby history. Like just casual as, as that. Yeah. It does feel like he's he's the animal for this game. And obviously George Ford's done his stuff, but it's again revolving on the point. Borfoot does seem to probably have some minerals that people probably weren't didn't think he did have. But the other side of it is he's brought in Sam Underhill into the squad and the extended 33-man squad when Jack Willis got injured, who he got rid of pretty early and didn't look like he was going to use going into the World Cup. And he was looking at Pearson yeah. and he and he was looking at he was looking at Pearson. He was looking at Tom Willis, uh, which would have been a great story if Tom Willis got called up for Jack. That's what I wanted for the narrative. <laughs> but it's pop, there's another argument that Borfix just doing this as he goes, and it it, it can it looks quite random. The fact he the people that he's bringing in, do you know Johnny May wasn't in the squad. Johnny May's nine 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 starter. It some of it does feel like he is just going with the flow. But then is that a good thing because he's just dealing with what's in front of him? He's not thinking about because he initially rated Pearson and Willis ahead of Underhill. Like he knows what Underhill can do get him in. Is it very much he wants boys now? I think you can't. Some of the selections, I think, have kind of figured themselves out. You think the Johnny May one. For me, Johnny May is not a great player to just sit on the bench because he's so one-dimensional. You either start him or he's not in the squad. And and also, if you think about the roles within the squad, the dynamics, he probably doesn't suit as well kind of being a squad player, should we say, as like someone like Henry, Henry Aradale probably is because he's young, exuberant, enthusiastic. So for someone like Johnny May, it's either he's starting or he's not even there. And that for me, I think just fits his role perfectly. Sam he's Underhill gonna, for me, he's not gonna, Johnny May's not going to gain a lot from scoring five tries against Chile. He doesn't need to do that. Whereas no, that's no, no. great experience for Arundel. Precisely, and I think the one with Sam Underhill. I mean, he's got experience of World Cup knockouts. I'm pretty sure he was there. Forgive me if I'm wrong. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he was. Bad. He was a star performer. He, he was. Run. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. He's playing a flipping World Cup final. Yeah, you're spot on. Yeah. Um, and he was very young when he was doing it. And obviously, I think injuries have probably held him back the most in that period of time since then. But he's got experience. We need experience. And he's a, no, he's no. an out and he's a he's a world class wank like so, no, you're flanker very, on his day. Yeah. So you're on the narrative. Just go with it. You know, stop thinking about old decisions and stuff. Borfix no. just he's and, dragging and to touch and... on yeah, to touch on your four point as well that you mentioned at the start there, Farrell is the man and he always will be the man for as long as he's fit fighting and wearing that England jersey he's the man like people one might want to fight it get your pitchforks out all you want try and be a maverick for me Marcus Smith is proving exactly how you deal with having Farrell in front of you he's he's developing to a role he's never even played before and I know you say this is horses for courses but he's played it a few times in the group stage and he's looked really really good at it 
And it just offers such a different dimension. For me, Ford's never offered for the years he's been behind Farrell anything else. And maybe that's just due to the way Ford plays. And look, it works for him when we need it. And sometimes you need that player because he's a perfect substitute for Farrell. He can come on, close out games. He's got a decent kicking game. He'll do. He'll he'll work the drills. He just does what Ford does. So that's great. But when Farrell's fit, Farrell's the man. And Farrell starts. He has to. Okay, so you're very happy with selection. You're happy with Borfwick not thinking about future, not thinking about this or that. He's for the here, he's for the now. No, we're in the quarters now. It's about results. He's making decisions as he goes. The likes of, as we discussed, you know, Smith and Alt's bold. He, he wants to win. What about the opposition then? Because there's a bit of chat, and I've seen some good tweets actually about potentially Fiji because they've been on the road really since that Twickenham game even before that I remember they're playing France and all we watched it the good game but they've they've been on the road now a long time in terms of like yeah it, it started it's been all the, summer what I now. seen was the buffet breakfasts you start to be like mm, I might go out for food instead now like because because they don't really they didn't have like they're all over the place and they come together. It's not really like they've got a big train training base and stuff like that. All the Pacific Islanders are very much they all come together, come as one, play a bit of ball. And it does appear last two weeks against Georgia and Portugal, two games they struggled with. One they got over the line, the other one they got over the line and just by via losing bonus point to get through. You must not be scared of Fiji now over the last two weeks, whereas after the Australian Wales game, no, 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 I don't want Fiji. You said in this pod you didn't want Fiji, you know, you wanted Australia. So after the last two weeks, surely now, Harvey, you're like, this is a dreamy quarterfinal. And Wales are like, no, we don't want Argentina. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's definitely better. It's um, better than what it could have been. If they'd have gone and demolished Georgia and Portugal like we were predicting at the time, you sat here and you but they've played the same team pretty much. They've, they've had to play the same team over and over and over again. So, yeah. like, and it, that's it, probably the bit that is catching up with them. Like you mentioned, squad depth. Like this is a side that we we can comfortably talk about now without being ridiculous. A team that can really challenge tier one nations. But over the course of like, I'm looking at six games there, and that stretches us all the way back to the start of August, where they played top tier nations really, and they've been playing in a World Cup. So it's intense, and it's all away from home, like you said. It's and it's a big way from home. It's not like we're talking whoever, a European side or whatever. This is you know, they're in the Oceania region. It's it's a very long way away. It's a very big culture shock. If they haven't brought family and friends, it's a it's a very family focused, very collaborative area of the world where being away from family could probably start having a toll at this point. Who knows what it's doing? For me, I take the Portugal and Georgia result though as you know, with a bit of pinch of salt. Like it you can't look into it too much. When they've played big oppositions, they've always turned up. And we've always known Fiji are a bit of a... Mentality has always been probably the weaker side of the game where it's just been like, oh, easy opposition. We won't probably put 100% into it. But it's which way do you sit on the fence? Is this a Fiji side who have been away from home for months and now struggling to keep up the fitness because they're playing the same squad every week? Or is it a Fiji side that have kind of been coasting over the last couple of weeks knowing that they only needed to get five points or so out of the last two games and uh, panning it all up ready for a quarter final against a side that they only beat a couple of months ago anyway. They've they've beaten England. They're not that they'll be happy with their draw. And it's interesting, Fiji have definitely changed their style of play. They've been a bit more direct. They've been a bit more put up the jumper. And it's not really worked against the last two oppositions. So if they have been holding things behind this up the sleeve 
and now they'll go back to the free flow Robbie, which ripped Wales apart in in uh periods of that game. Like it will be fascinating to see how that one goes. But no, in just terms of overall predictions, then Harvey, what are you going for? 28-20 to England. That's my prediction. A win for England. I mean, we don't need to chat about bonus points or anything like that. It doesn't matter at this point. But yeah, a good enough win. They're going to score tries against you. They're going to get points. They're Fiji at the end of the day. But we just have to score more. And I genuinely, genuinely believe in this Ford-Smith combination. And it's not a 10-12 combo. It's a 10-15 combo. That feels good to sound. That feel That feels good to say. You mean Farrell Smith? You're already yeah, saying sorry. Like, you want, you want four straight in now, do you? you want no, Farrell Smith. Obviously Farrell Smith. All right, so you think that was a, he's, that he's, was find a... the, he's find the combinations. Here we go. France and South Africa. Watch out. England are coming for the World Cup final. We're nearly at that stage, so it's rightly so. You, you should be getting excited, Harv. But no, I'm going to go similar. I think the wheels are starting to come off Fiji and those big warm-up games as we've... We've said we're probably needed, but post the gate, post the group stage, I think they've just started to run out of wheels, but they will cause problems and similar, probably an eight-point buffer. And Zach, you're back. So what what are you going for? Just final prediction before we get into the France of Africa. Even lads. Um final prediction. Ah it's like head and heart moment, isn't it? Um my head says probably similar to Harv, actually. I think it'll probably be just without just beyond the kind of one score difference. So maybe like kind of England by nine points, but my heart says Fiji by two. So with a Farrell drop kick miss in the end or four, four drop kick miss in the end. So we'll, we'll, we shall see. Or Farrell's out of time on a kick again. <laughs> if he does that for a two point loss, I, I'll get my pitchfork out. I'll get my pitchfork out. Right. <laughs> and, and on Samoa, just Harv, in terms of another Pacific Island nation struggled against Samoa. You you didn't look too much into Samoa. No, we were chatting about it. You you just thought it was the end. It was a, it was a means to an end. Had to get the job done. It was annoying. Group was already wrapped up, and just they weren't locked in as they should have been. Yeah, I mean it was a mistake driven game. If you if you watched it back, and I think that's a side that were up for it. They needed the points, sort of thing. Um, and it's always a huge probably test a bit like when we played Fiji it's 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 rapid rugby it's keep ball alive rugby which sometimes we you know I can't lie we do struggle with which is you know the concern going ahead into this weekend but no and I don't read too much into it I think we were at 60% at best it was you know no I don't yeah I don't want to give it much more food than that I think we we, we move on it, ultimately it was a win anyway so you know is what it is Oh, and then on to arguably the big one. France against South Africa. Oof, what a what a big one. So Is this okay, Telf, take your bias out. You know, forget where you were born. Oh, it's the game of the weekend. It's, the game of the weekend. It, 100%. It, it's the game of the weekend, isn't it? It's the greatest quarterfinal ever in Rugby World Cup history. <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing at that. There's never <laughs> been a there's never been a, a Two better sides that played each other in the Rugby World Cup quarterfinal. Take what you will from that, Ireland and New Zealand, who um <laughs> That's the clip. That is the clip. My goodness. Serious in that. Wow, I wish I wish like the listeners could just see the seriousness on your face there. <laughs> You've never been more sure yeah, of anything in your agree. life. After watching South Africa in the pool stage and, and what and Home World Cup France, 
France's record at home. And I just want to give a bit of love for France. I just feel maybe it's the circles we're in. The French will feel different. The French are huge favourites now that they've negotiated that group. And if they can beat South Africa, it, it, the World Cup is there for them. I think I think Telf, it's really interesting because, um, like, what do they need to do to get rated that they're going? I think to this win is this is the this is the worst time to play France. You know, if you want to go back to what you said at the start, you know, we love quarterfinals, we love last sixteen because it's a different sort of pressure. You know, if this was a semi final, you could see it being a really tight, you know, nine eight score or whatever. But because it's a quarter final, because this French team, their biggest game was. I mean, I know that they've been putting. They like to do point and stuff and putting putting them against like Uruguay and whatever. But at the same time, like the biggest game was ages ago. Like so, they're going to be raring to go. It's going to be pretty scary. It, the more I think about it, yeah, you're probably right. This is probably the greatest World Cup quarterfinal of all time, and it is going to be an absolute cracker. My goodness me. Yeah, I'm glad I've got you on that train. But then I you guess if you, add, if you add the rankings up, technically the. You had two, two and three, and one and four. You know, still big rankings. But on that point, before we get into it, there's been a lot of negativity around that. The basically we're going to have dead semi-finals. Do you think that's incredibly disrespectful to some of the teams in that upper side of the draw? Or if we do, you got to deal with that if they are blowing in the semi-finals. Is it is the debate fair enough that it wasn't absolutely ridiculous to do draw so early? And is it a complete definite that this is as good as it will get in terms of games? Because the final is going to be good, but before that, this is it's going to get in the quarterfinal when it should be the semi-final. Yeah, oh, there's so many avenues you can go down in terms of like, you know, if anything ever wins against France of Africa, it's kind of got a rest week next week because they will blow Fiji or England out of the water without a doubt. Um, and then they can go hard for the final again. Same with Ireland, New Zealand. Yeah, you know, it is what it is. We can sit here and say how annoying it is that they did the draw so early, that it's a joke, that um, typical French. But at the same time, I think just what's done is done. You just have to move on. Like, this is someone who's been so fried about the draw for months. It just comes to that point where it's just like, what's done is done. You just have to play the team in front of you. Do you agree that the draw's good for one of the big four? Same, you know, Bolivian Apollo was making comments, didn't know there was a big four in rugby. Do you know what I mean? There is definitely a, a bee in the bonnet of some of those other sides that it is very focused on the big four, if not the big three. Because you all have something to say focused about that. for a reason, you know. You look at the the teams, the standard of rugby that's been at this World Cup. You know, in terms of those big games, like it's hard to look past some of the some of the performances. You know, that Ireland of Africa goes down is one of the greatest games in a, in a World Cup just for the sheer physicality and we've, we've talked about that but yeah but no, in, terms in terms of the game yeah in terms of South Africa back. yeah before we get on to France South Africa as I keep saying we're only a couple of kicks away from popping that pool and getting New Zealand I I think South Africa more suited to beating in New Zealand than they are France I don't think France I I think this game blows up one or one of the two ways I can't see like an Ireland, South Africa repeating itself. I don't think France will get lured into a big, big boy on big boy battle. I think they'll still play rugby. At the same time, France will try to, sorry, South Africa will try to and play rugby. So I think this one will be big scoring. And I think France 
could put down their statement on Sunday that they're going to win the Rugby World Cup. I, I could see like just a huge everything clicks and attack. And there was something that just that feels that it just isn't meant to be for South Africa with marks and things not completely working with Lebok off the tee. I just feel it's it just feels a big ask for South Africa to go back to back, whereas all the momentum and hype is with the French. But if they bottle, as you have alluded to, Zach, is the home pressure going to get to them? But so far, this competition, the two home sides, Ireland and France, pretty much of the fans, as we've seen in the Stade de France. Anyway, I know Marseille's been pretty full for the likes of England and stuff, but home, those fans have dragged those sides so far. I know the ability on the pitch has too. So I, I do think just that home atmosphere will be too much for the Springboks. And I, I think France, because Dupont's back, the emotion, I think they can deal with it. And... What, what, where have France gone wrong in the last two, three years? Ireland at the Aviva, is that it? Pretty much. I know, I know Scotland have beat them <laughs> in Covid, where, where it doesn't count. Covid just doesn't count. Let's move on. All their players that were back playing top 14 and stuff, and that game got moved to the end of Six Nations. And then obviously they lost the game in the warm ups. But when France are full strength at the Stade de France, they don't lose. And this is what I keep trying to say. They haven't. They don't lose, but people still have got this idea that they might not win the World Cup. Yeah, yeah. It, I think it's probably. I think it's probably maybe I don't know. Maybe a lot of people are just kind of like trying to hide the fact that they know they're going to win it, and <laughs> maybe that's why they're saying it. I mean, there is something about this French side where you just can't you just can't trust them at the same oh, time. That's that's the thing I hate because I don't think they've shown <laughs> any of that. As I keep saying, they've only lost against Ireland at the Aviva and ripped them open in that game at times. Look, look, we'll see. Look, we'll see on Sunday. We will see on Sunday. The whole, I think it's it's a lazy narrative, Zach. Like, <laughs> you don't know what French team's going to turn up. You never know. This is a winning machine. <laughs> well, then... Well, it'll be put to the. You touched on team. my exact point. I've been getting annoyed at is that they're not real. <laughs> like they well, yeah, well, I mean, with Dupont being back, I think that's a massive change. I mean, look, I watched the video on Twitter today of like him bouncing boys in training, like he's back and he's raring to go, um, which will be, which is great for rugby in general. You know, he's probably the best player in the world at the moment, so you want them to play, um, but. I, I don't know, tell there's just something about it which is just like you just can't write out South Africa either. Let's just not forget about Rassi and just what he's capable of and what the South Africa team is capable of. They're also the world champions, you know, you've got to give them that respect. Um, but at the same time, with a pretty much, you know, three quarters of the Stade de France cheering you on, and you are probably one of the probably the top two best team, second if not best team in world rugby, it's hard to look past France. You've always agreed with me, Zach, that Ireland lose at the Stade de France. Yeah, 100%. France lose at the Aviva. So yep. you're talking about one and two. I th- I do think those two are one and two because you got Ireland, South Africa, a neutral venue, and you find out your answer. Yeah, um, true. So, no, I do, do I agree with you there. And, yeah, I, I think France will turn up. I think France will show proper favourite tag. And as we keep saying about those semifinals, the whole, oh, uh, don't play your... Don't play your final too early, with there potentially being an easy er semi final. 
<laughs> I think I think both Ireland and New Zealand and France South Africa can afford to go hard this week, but at the same time, yeah. It's starting to heat up. Uh, that's that's the way to leave it. I don't want to get into too many narratives. Check the gats, but yeah, no. Yeah, France for me. And France for you? France for me. I think France will win by at least 10, 12. So you, after all that, you're going for a statement French win. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's the semi-final. Let's get back next week for the semi. No, I just, I think just fairy tales aren't, Khaleesi back to back. It just feels too good to be true. The story's too good to be true. And if the story's going to end, it's going to end now, rather than it's going to end in a final. In a final loss. Fair. Before we go, put your Irish hat back on. Ooh. If you want to win, if Ireland then negotiate to the final, replay the box. You don't beat the box twice in the World Cup. Or French France at the start of France. You don't lose at the start of France. Oh, I don't know. That's the thing. Like you don't beat the box twice, but also playing France at the start of France in a final. Um, I honestly don't know. I don't even know. I think it's just both awful. How good is rugby? So how good is rugby? And you know what? Tell sorry to say last point on the pod. How good is rugby? Shout out to Portugal. Portugal won first ever World Cup game at the weekend. Um, and they got the homecoming. They got. Just watching the videos on Twitter is unbelievable. You know, should there be a two-tiered Six Nations? Anyway, that's it for thought. No, no, Portugal's Portugal's upon itself and our overall recap of the tournament. We'll go into that in more detail, but today was more of a quarterfinal focus. Don't worry, Portugal, we've got some content coming for you. So, no, big thanks, Zach, and I'll see you when we know the final four. See you. To anyone that's made this far in the podcast, follow, follow us on all our platforms. Spotify at Telford Podcast, Twitter at Rugby Tell, Instagram Telford Podcast, even on TikTok nowadays, we're everywhere at Telford Rugby. So please, follow us everywhere, and we'll catch you next week.